Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. If you missed last week's episode, or two weeks ago, I guess, an yeah. episode ago, uh-huh. on calories in, calories out, is that all you need to know? I encourage you to pause this, not yep. to turn it off, but just pause this, <laughs> yeah. and go back and take a listen to that. We are going to reference a few things that we talked about in that episode, but we're also going to we're also going to build upon that yes. a little bit, I'm talking about weight loss targets. We're going to talk about, you know, how sometimes rapid weight loss is not a good thing. And we're going to talk about calorie tracking and whether you should be doing it and maybe how you should be doing it or maybe not not be doing it. Maybe not doing it at all. So stay tuned. Okay. Part two of calories in and calories out. So let's take a minute to recap. Okay. We talked last time about the things that make up your calorie expenditure. Right. We reference reference some formulas that dietitians use, and and frankly, you can Google these things and you sure. can look them up yourself. Yeah. There are actually calculators online yep. for your resting metabolic rate. Right. So there's that resting metabolic, and again, think of it like a pie. Right. So the biggest part of your calorie expenditure is your resting metabolic rate, which is what? It's the amount of calories that you burn if you didn't do anything. To exist. <laughs> to exist. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't take into account your eating or moving. Right. It's breathing. It's or brain injury. Function. Right. Or anything. any of those things. Right. Yes. I actually had a listener message me that she was not aware that injuries required more calories and protein. So uh-huh. that was something that oh, she good. learned last good. week. Good, good, good. Then there's that thermic effect of food or right. basically the calories it takes your body to digest calories. And, right. Right. To, to consume the calories right. that your body needs. Right. Which is about 10% of your uh-huh. resting metabolic rate. And then finally, that physical activity component. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. But that physical activity does contribute to your overall calorie burn. However, that's how, not just physical activity, that's moving. Right. That's moving. Uh, that's yeah, true. Sorry. Just, right. And yeah. that's, and maybe not as much as we would like it to. Right. I think physical activity is a smaller piece of the pie than sometimes we give it credit for. It's nowhere near your resting metabolic rate. Exactly. Not even in the same ballpark. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we also talked about that calorie deficit that you need to create to lose weight. And some popular apps, as we talked about, will say, do you want to lose two pounds per week? Right. And I thought you had such a good point, especially (laughs) for women. Right. For women, that's a deficit of a thousand calories. We don't have a thousand calories to give in a day without starving ourselves. Right. Eating (laughs) below that resting metabolic rate for any length of time is likely not something that is safe unless it's like a medically supervised weight loss program. You know, I know some of the very low calorie diets, sometimes those fasting programs or medical fasting programs take their their clients below that. Right. But that's a medically supervised program. Right. Where things are really monitored. Well, and even though they're monitored, we talked about this, the the problem is that you can actually end up bringing down that metabolic rate that you had to begin with 
right? Mm -hmm. Meaning that resting metabolic rate that you had is Mm -hmm. now adjusting down because that is based on your weight. Right. And we mentioned the biggest loser. Right. Last week. And there have been studies I kind of reread through Kevin Hall's work again this past week. And he really did stress the fact that, you know, the vast majority of participants on that show lowered their metabolic rate, not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it stayed low. And, right. and then to maintain that weight loss, they right. would have to eat just fewer and fewer calories, which right. like you said, who wants to do that? Right, right. Right. Who wants to eat less? No, right. I don't. Right. <laughs> so we took, you know, that that whole calories in and calories out. So you understand that when we're estimating your calories, it's based on formulas. It's an estimation You can get it measured, but that's telling us about how many calories we think you need to consume a day and then what you actually eat. I think we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that part of it, maybe. Right. So, you know, calorie counts on foods are also have a bit of a grace. Yep. Again, nothing is 150 calories on the nose. That's the thing. So FDA labeling, here's a dietitian secret, uh, rounding occurs. <laughs> right. Yes. You may not know that. But for example, if something is less than half a gram of fat, they can label it a zero. This is where we got into trouble sometimes with those trans fats because right. things could be point four, nine grams of trans fat and the manufacturer could round down. That's zero. Right. right. And say that's zero. Right. So. And that's minimal. But at the same time, you also just, I think a lot of those, I'm a very analytical person. So mm -hmm. I like to, you know, I have in the past, I don't like to, I have in the past tracked my calories. Right. And just it drove me crazy knowing, and I look at food records and I can see, yeah, that's probably way overestimating how many calories that is or way underestimating mm -hmm. how many calories that is. Right. So that takes practice and, and not a lot of us have that or know that. And then you shouldn't, and you shouldn't have to worry that deeply about the calories either. Right. So in terms of let's, this is a good time maybe to talk about calorie tracking. Okay. Um, yeah. That's a that's a popular thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've had some experience with it personally, and I know the research really shows that people that track their calories or food diaries or whatever successfully lose more weight because right. it does bring awareness of what you're eating. I think my experience is that that's just tracking in general though. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to track calories. Just writing down what just you eat. Just writing down what you're eating can really help you. Right. Yeah. And part of it's because we do eat unconsciously sometimes, not actually right. unconsciously, but kind yeah. of without thought. Right. That handful of candy that you grabbed from the break room at work or that, you know, extra pop that you grabbed at the end of the day that you mm -hmm. kind of mentally subtract over time. Mm -hmm. This is another dietitian secret. People are not good at remembering what they ate the previous no. day. No. Terrible nope. at it. Most I people, am too. <laughs> most people are not good at remembering what they ate the previous right. meal. Yeah. Right. If I had to think of everything I've eaten today, I could probably get about 85% there. Right. But I'm sure I've forgotten something. Sure. Yeah. It's just natural. Right. It's natural to forget and not know and not remember what you ate. And then there's also grazers who are even worse because the, if you eat mindlessly, yeah, mm -hmm. and you're just kind of picking up things here and there, I, I know people who that, that never existed. 
that never happened. You right. know, right. It, they don't even realize that it happened. So right. that's why for some people, just writing it down is helpful. Like I said, I'm an analytical person, so I like to know the calories in and calories out. And I have some clients that like to know the calories in and calories out, but that's not for everybody. And I would very highly caution you to get caught up in that, especially if you have a tendency or a family history mm -hmm. of disordered eating. Right. Uh, I will share my personal experience with calorie tracking. It really was a race to the bottom for me. Yeah. And what it set up for me personally was the idea of eating very, very few calories till about three o'clock in the afternoon because mm -hmm. I was trying to, quote unquote, save some calories for right. dinner. Because, it would yeah. panic me if I was leaving work and I only had five or six hundred calories left to spend for dinner. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to eat? Yeah. So my goal was to eat as little as possible. So when I left work, I still had a oh, thousand calories that I could have a good dinner. Uh huh. You know, right. I could have a snack after dinner. And that we know from previous podcasts. That is, can set you up. Right. That's a, right. Unlikely to be successful. Right. Because what's going to happen is you're going to either be overeating or you're going to have that willpower issue that we right. talked about in a previous episode. Yep. Because you're not eating enough during the day that you set yourself up for failure at night. Yep. And so calorie tracking for me made me so cognitive about, my, oh my gosh, this is how much I've eaten that it made me actually really hard for me to even just enjoy eating. Right. Because and I was thinking about the calories all the time. Yes. Yeah. And that can be other problems. We'll talk about that in a minute too. Right. So, so there are a lot of different apps out there these days mm -hmm. that do help with tracking. I've had everything from people tracking with Excel spreadsheets. Right. I have... I have meal plans that I give out without the calories. It's really more about how many servings did you have from the different food groups during the day. Right. And you just a check mark, you right. know. So there's a variety of ways to do this. There's a lot of different apps up there. Rise mm -hmm. Up. There's uh, MyFitnessPal. Uh I have a program that I use with my clients called Healthy, and they can track in there mm -hmm. for me. There's a lot of different ways that you can do this. And if you're working with a dietitian, they can help guide you as to whether or not you need to record calories or not. For the most part, I feel like if you're working with a dietitian, you should not have to be monitoring your calories. Let mm -hmm. the dietitian do those analysis. Right. I'm glad you mentioned the food group one. The, um, the app that I've discovered recently is the MyPlate app. It's awesome. And it literally, yes. you can set goals for yourself like, okay, I want to eat more vegetables or I want to eat more whole grains. And then you can go into your app and say, click when I ate my vegetable uh -huh. or when I had my whole grain. And love that approach. Nice. Because it goes back to what you've talked about in previous episodes, which is the approach I love, is what can we add to instead of taking away? Yeah. And sometimes when you add to, when you add more vegetables to a meal or you add more whole grains... This isn't shouldn't be the intention necessarily, but it displaces other foods yeah. that maybe aren't as healthy a choice. Mm -hmm. Because if you're eating more vegetables, you're not going back necessarily for seconds of, of fried foods or whatever. Yeah. So it ends up sort of displacing some of those yeah. other calories that yep. you're eating. Yep. So yeah, I think that's a great I I forgot about the my plate. That's a great app too. Yep. Okay, so let's let's talk about weight loss in terms of 
what's appropriate? How much weight should you lose? Right. If you're trying to do the calories in, calories out, I assume you're trying to figure out for weight loss, sometimes it's weight gain. But generally speaking, if you're trying to lose weight, mm-hmm. what happens when you lose weight? And again, in our previous episode, we provided a link to a TED Talk that I think everybody should watch. It's very interesting about how the body will sabotage you and and Mm -hmm. kind of help you be at the weight that you know genetically and Mm -hmm. uh just what you are meant to be at right this is a tough conversation because I think there's such a thought that you know if I could just lose that last 15 pounds in my experience personally professionally if you are having to force yourself into a much lower calorie level than you want to be at you're hungry, maybe is the best way to say that. And you're having to work out at such a high level that you're exhausted or having bad you have workouts. No other time right, but right, to work right. out. That's what you that's your that's hobby all, is yeah. working out. It is unlikely that is the size your body wants to be. Right. You know, you see this too in athletes who retire. Yeah. You know, they've been sort of artificially thin, mm-hmm. you know, think about the marathon runners that we right. see at the Olympics or the gymnasts. They are eating in such a way that they are keeping themselves at a certain weight, at a certain size. I've been watching like the weightlifting and some of these women, they have to maintain this 55 kilogram weight, you know, which is oh, not right. very big. Compete, right. Yeah. And they gain an ounce up or down. You even think about like the wacky things that, you know, wrestlers do. Oh, I, yeah. To lose weight. Oh, yeah. If that's what you have to do to keep yourself at some arbitrary weight, it is probably, even if it's not your ideal body weight on the height weight charts, BMI, whatever we want to talk about yeah. in terms of what is supposed to be your ideal body weight, it probably isn't your ideal body weight. I've even now with clients and maybe I've I've taken to talking about what's a happy weight for you. Uh-huh. Nice. Not, like well, not what's your ideal that. body weight, but right. what's your happy what's weight? weight? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that happy weight is not realistic. (laughs) Right. And sometimes that happy weight is much more realistic than I would have ever given them credit for because Mm -hmm. they say them like, oh, okay, well, that's great. Right. You know, that's not bad at all. Because as dietitians, we know that just a 10% weight loss can help control chronic disease, can Mm -hmm. help reverse issues that you're having and help you uh, have a healthier body. Right. On the converse, though, (laughs) just a 10% weight loss can just start to induce some of those biological mechanisms in your body that, I like your word, like sabotage, but not even, like, even just, like, force you back into that weight that your body was happier at. Right. So, you know, those hunger hormones, that leptin and that ghrelin get out of whack. Your resting metabolic rate drops a little. And so, again, you have to eat fewer calories. Or right. burn more calories at the gym, which, again, is a hard thing to do if you're already working out a, a decent amount. To have right. to work out more yeah. seems uh, not like something you want to do. Yeah. So I think, right. it, yeah, there's, it, is, it is a really tough balance to strike. Right. All right. So you said, so we, we were talking about that 10%. Mm-hmm. And if your resting metabolic rate comes down... You know, and adjust to, to because that remember that rest resting body weight is based on your weight. So mm-hmm. as you lose weight, 
it will potentially go down a little bit, Mm -hmm. potentially. Um, And so what happens is after 10%, I know people out there who might want hope that, Mm -hmm. well, that's not what I want to lose, you know? Right. Uh, What are the studies saying about anything losing more than about 10%? And what, how do you handle that? So I don't want to leave people without hope. That's not, that's not my job as a dietitian. Right. However, the research really is strong in this area that this is, this is why weight loss, this is why, you know, I think I've seen that statistic and I'm not sure exactly how accurate it is, but it feels, it feels accurate. 95% of people lose, who lose weight on a diet, regain it within five years. Right. And it's not a lack of trying. Mm-hmm. It's not a lack of, and we talked about willpower sort of a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. It's not, well, I just stopped exercising and mm-hmm. threw caution to the wind and went back to eating exactly the way it was. Right. That's not been my experience with, with clients at all. They're trying. They hit that wall mm-hmm. of that weight loss, and then they kind of stop losing weight. And then, you know, if they you know, sort of relax just a little bit, uh-huh. all of a sudden that weight starts to come on again. Right. And you've seen this and maybe you've had friends who've lost a significant amount of weight, maybe 50 or a hundred pounds. Yeah. And in some ways they, some people can keep it off, but that is the exception. Right. That is not the rule. Right. The only exception to this is bariatric surgery. Right. You know, right. Bariatric surgery does not seem to, that weight loss does not seem to set off that cascade right. based on the research of that weight regain. Right. But I don't want to put a wet blanket on this. No. And I, you know, I do have a lot a, a percentage of clients who have tried a bunch of diets, have lost a significant amount of weight, but then they gain it back and gain back more. Mm -hmm. When the pounds go on vacation, they come back when they bring their friends. (laughs) So (laughs) I was telling you that. (laughs) They bring their friends. Yep. Uh, But, you know, with the idea is, yeah, you want to lose weight. You want to do it gradually, but ideally making it a lifestyle that you can live with. Right. Eventually, that's where we need to go. Because when we see the yo-yo dieting, that's when we get into trouble health-wise, too. Right. That actually contributes to heart disease, yo-yo dieting, believe it or not. It contributes to increased visceral fat, which is what we know probably Mm -hmm. is a part of our chronic chronic low-level inflammation that leads to cardiac disease. It's not good to yo-yo diet. Right. I have people, I feel like uh, thyroid issues mm-hmm. gall- and gallbladder. Right. I've a lot of clients lose their gallbladder. Right. When they um, lose, when you lose rapid weight, I've seen this in, in patients right. who are doing keto or other low carb things where the weight comes off really fast. Yeah. Yes, it could be the increased fat content that's stressing your gallbladder, but it's also probably the, the rapid weight loss. Right. So, yeah, that's something to be aware of. If you are somebody who's losing weight really, really fast, your gallbladder probably, if you still have it, is maybe not going to be super happy with you. Right. Um, but, yeah, yo-yo dieting. And, and and let's just think about what that does to you mentally. Yeah. Um, I don't right. know. I have a really hard time because people, it's like I'm starting Weight Watchers Monday. I'm right. back here. <laughs> I've lost this amount of weight before and I can do it again. Yeah. Look, I... I'm sorry. What kind of, what kind of life is that? You right, know, right. that is that's a miserable existence that doesn't have to be that way. Right. It doesn't have to be it that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. I it's so important to me that no matter what you do, 
when you look at a different diet that's out there right. and you're thinking, this is the one for me, mm -hmm. I want you to also ask the question, is this the one for you for the rest of your life? Right. Or was the last one the one you thought you could do for the rest of your life right. or the one before that? Right. I mean, again, if you are listening to this and you're a chronic dieter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Every diet is, this is the right one. This is the one I can stick yeah. to. And, and this is the one that, nope, in a year I look back. Right. It's, it's, again, it's heartbreaking. Right. You, I mean, this is the thing we ran into a few years ago with the, the low carb versus the low fat. Mm -hmm. At the end of one year, everyone was in the same place. Right. Yep. Because some people could do low carb really well. It didn't bother them never to eat bread again. Right. And some people were like grossed out by the fact that they could never eat bread again and hated right. bacon. Right. You know, so <laughs> at the end, everybody was in the same place. Right. And this is something to think about, you know, if low carb suits you and you like it and you can do it in a fairly healthy way, have at it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not opposed to that. But my experience with patients has been, is it because they take it to the extreme that they right. can't stick with it? So as a dietitian, I think a lot of us shy away from people who want to go low carb because we realize it's really not the way the body's meant to work. Right. It's really not supposed to be something long-term. Right. And so what happens is I try to tell my clients, okay, you can do this, but I want you to understand mm -hmm. when you have a birthday, mm -hmm. when you have a celebration, when you go on vacation, mm -hmm. you're going to see weight gain. Right. And it takes 3,500 calories, as a reminder from our previous podcast, in order to gain a pound of true weight. Right. And what happens is when you're doing low carb, you go off low carb, you go on off, you're losing fluid weight. And people tend to think that it's body weight. It's not. And they beat themselves up about it and they they or their self-esteem goes in the crapper. Right. Well, again, they see that very rapid weight loss because the water body dumps that water much faster than it dumps fat. And so they see this super rapid, I lost 10 pounds in one week. Oh, that's got to be exciting. I totally right. think that would be so fun to watch the scale go that direction. Right. But realizing that it will slow down and that it's likely not body fat that you have lost, maybe a small right. percentage, but most likely that you have just dumped water off your muscles. And when you eat a piece of bread, it will literally come back overnight. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, somebody's like, I, you know, I ate a piece of bread or I had a sandwich and the next day I was five pounds heavier. Yeah. And I was the day before. Yeah. Right. You were. Yeah. Not that, that bread had 1,750 calories or right. whatever sort of size. It right. was just that water coming back to your muscles. So let's talk about scale watchers. Because mm. when you're trying to lose weight and you're a scale watcher, I have a story. So, you know, I've had two kids. Yeah. <laughs> There's weight to be had. So you, when you're in weight loss, as a woman who has monthly cycles. Mm -hmm. It's not a plateau in my mind until you haven't lost weight for four weeks in a row. Yes. That's, that's the statistic I've heard. That's the research I've heard as well. Okay. Three to four weeks at least. And my personal experience with that was right on because I don't know what it was, but I, I, I like the math, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the analytical one. So I was creating those 500 calorie deficit, not a huge deficit, losing my goal was a pound a week. I'd stay the same, stay the same, stay the same. I'd lose four pounds right. at the end of the month. Right. And so 
I think a lot of people give up or a lot of people are watching the scale every day mm -hmm. and it can drive you crazy. So here's my thoughts on the scale. Yes. The National Weight Control Registry, which is a registry of thousands and thousands of people who have successfully lost weight and supposedly kept it off, although it's, all, although it's all self-report, right? utilize regular weighing to monitor their weight. So in that way, I can say, okay, maybe that's a successful strategy. Skill. However, I've also had the, the client and, you know, my personality, myself, of saying the, the scale became a hindrance to my progress. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't see progress down, well, what am I doing all this for? Right. And so if you have that relationship with the scale... You know, you ask yourself some questions about how, what that scale is going to do. What am I going to do with this information? Is it going to change what I do workout-wise? Nope. Is it going to change what I do food-wise? Maybe. Maybe I'm going to really cut back because I'm, I'm well, see, that's with where myself. It, you know? I agree. Right. I, I kind of, it, it shouldn't. Right, right. <laughs> so you, you should always ask yourself, what am I going to do with this information? And if, the, if your question is, I'm going to restrict, I'm going to feel discouraged, then it may be best for you to break up with the scale. Yeah. That's yes. really hard it is. for lots of people. Yeah. But I, you know, and I think there's, if you are working with a dietitian, have the dietitian weigh you. Maybe that's mm -hmm. your check-in. Maybe it's mm -hmm. once a month. And if you don't want to know, that's cool too. Yeah. Turn around. I, I mean, I'm See, like, that you, you're a dietitian at a hospital. Right. I don't, I don't weigh my clients. Right. I don't well, have a scale in my right. practice. I don't weigh, I don't weigh my, uh, my outpatient clients. Cause of course they're not always there for weight loss for me. Uh -huh. But to me, I can take a stated weight. That's fine. That's you what know, I from, do. Right. Yeah. Because but, I tell yeah, every scale is different. Right. When you go to the doctor versus your scale at home. Right. It's different. It drives you crazy. Right. I had, I've had patients in, in like in inpatient beds tell me, I have no idea why your scale says it's I'm this weight. I was at the doctor last and they'll, I mean, they were here for right. something else and they're literally arguing with me about their weight. Right. And I'm like, no, let's, let's It doesn't matter about, what the right, scale so says. Right. You're in a bed with that may or may not have been zeroed for all right. I know. You know right. what I mean? You may have been weighed with some blankets on you, right. you know, or something like that. Or yeah. you had an IV pole hanging from you, right. you know? I mean, that's not exactly, this is not an accurate, all we're looking for at that point is trends. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, and that's why it's important to just know and follow a scale that you feel comfortable. Right. If it's going to the doctor once a year and measuring yourself once a year, I'm all for that. Right. If it's, you know, weighing yourself once a week at home, that's fine too. If you're going to weigh yourself every day, I just want you to understand our bodies fluctuate up to four or five pounds every day. Right. During the day. Right. And you could so, weigh yourself at breakfast and then weigh yourself after dinner. Yeah. And it's like in a completely different zone on the scale. Exactly. And so, you're wondering what happened. Well, you, you have... You have water and food right. in your body. And, and you can you fluctuate know. from day to day. Right. I can, you know, I, I kind of feel like as a dietitian, sometimes I feel like I'm rationalizing for my clients. And I'm like, I'm not rationalizing for you, but I need you to understand all the facts here. I need you to understand that the scale is not just it. The scale is telling you 
you ate out last night and you had pizza, which was a really high sodium food. Right. And so you're retaining some fluid. Right. And everybody thinks pizza causes all this weight gain. Right. Oh, I get on the scale the day after I ate pizza and this is what happened. I always say, did you eat 7,000 calories worth of pizza? (laughs) Right. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) But you did eat a pizza that had ham and sausage on it. And so now that's why you weigh more the next day. So I don't think... I don't think weighing yourself daily tells you anything. Right. Unless it, you're in a hospital setting in, in right. certain, right. certain well, I mean, circumstances. There are, but, you know, congestive heart failure. <laughs> right. Patients. Yeah. Completely needs to Completely. weigh themselves every day. Yes. Because they're looking for fluid gain. That's what they're right. looking for. Right. They're not looking for fat gain. Right. They're looking for fluid gain. Right. Because you know what? You can gain fluid really quickly. Right. Especially if you're eating high sodium meals and you have heart failure. Right. But that's about where it ends for me. So again, if you have, I think it's everybody has to answer that question for themselves. Some people are like, it doesn't bother them to get on the, they just take it as just another number about their health and it doesn't bother them. But if it is getting in the way of how you feel about yourself, your progress, your self-esteem, right. your wanting to work out, right. your wanting to eat healthy, then maybe it's time to put it in the closet. We have yeah. a scale at the house. Mm-hmm. I have it tucked in the back of the closet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. My son's doing a Boy Scout fitness merit badge for his Eagle Scout badges. Uh-huh. And I haven't gotten that scale out of the closet in about three years. And But he had to weigh himself. And I okay. said, buddy, I said, we can just estimate. Yeah. You don't have to weigh yourself. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, I'm fine with it. Again, teenage boy, doesn't right. care. Right. Does not care. <laughs> it didn't bother him. He just wrote down the number and moved on with his day. Yeah. Right. But for somebody who maybe is a little bit more in tune to that, yeah, that might have been the end of their day. Yeah. That might have been something right. that was devastating to them. Right. So again, it's not, it's not a it's to me it's just a ma- it's a measure of the mass that you have and the, right. the pressure of gravity on you that's it right. <laughs> it's, like, it's all yeah right how did i hear it put it's just a number on the scale and you you have to put that in perspective and know that you are not that number on the scale right I think I've heard you say right. something along those lines before. Right. I mean, you would, you know, it's, it's like dress size, isn't that way? You right. would never, you would never say, "Well, my sh- my feet are too big, so I'm going to force myself right. into smaller shoes." Exactly. Same thing with dress sizes. You know, I'm I'm a size whatever, and I'm going to force myself into a smaller size. Well, right. maybe not, because that is something that you would never do to your feet, because that's what size that they are. Right. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. Right. So, so that's, that gets me to my approach. For most of my clients, we need to look at, for me, I'm gonna if I'm going to work with you and we want to see weight loss, we are going to do it, but we're going to base it on a lifestyle. Right. We're going to create a lifestyle that you can live with. Right. Is that, you know, a lot of my clients, when we start, we're not working out at all because they're not working out at all. Right. So we work on diet first. Yeah. Then we work on exercise. Right. It's a progression thing. And it's what can you add? I'm not going to make you be a marathon runner because you come to see me and you want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make you never eat Oreos again Mm -hmm. because you want to lose weight. I have patients that come to me that are doing it all right. Yeah. They're working out. Mm -hmm. They're eating right. Mm -hmm. They're having a balanced diet. They're staying within a reasonable amount of calories for their height and weight, and the scale's not budging. 
that's a frustrating situation. Yeah. It, it's, it's frustrating for me as a professional because I know in the back of my head, yeah, this is probably the way you're supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> they may not want to hear that. Right. But I know this is probably it. Right. <laughs> you know, you're doing it all right. Right. Yes. You could cut your calories down to 1200 and we could force you to crank out three or four more pounds right. and you could increase your workouts from one hour to two hours a day <laughs> and be a miserable, exhausted mess. Right. Or we can let it go. Right. Yeah. A, a lot of letting it go actually reduces stress. Right. Which reduces inflammation and cortisol, which and cortisol, actually helps which keep helps weight you. on. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So it could actually end up helping you to lose weight when you let go of right. the losing weight part. And I will share an experience of a client who, I, who she knows who she is and she's commented <laughs> publicly on, on things I do on social media. So she's very open about this, that, you know, once she let it go, mm-hmm. you know, I asked her a question, what happens if you never lose weight? And it was yeah. like that question turned that light bulb on. Right. And she decided to let it go. Right. And she has changed her lifestyle in terms of being more active, enjoying what she eat, eats, mm-hmm. no longer really restricting, uh-huh. doing doing all of the things right, getting right in her own head, too, about mm-hmm. her weight. Mm-hmm. And the weight has come down. Awesome. Right. Now, that wasn't my goal. When right. I said, because I thought, what if you don't lose weight? Right. Right. It could happen. Right. Her weight has kind of come off because she's no longer in that diet mentality. Yes. It has been freeing for her. Yeah. But again, that's a caution. You might say, well, I'm going to take up intuitive eating to lose weight. I'm going to take up mindful yeah. eating to lose weight. And that is not the reason to do those things. We'll right. talk more about intuitive eating yeah. in depth. But again, if that is your goal is weight loss, if the ultimate goal is the what is it? The progress instead of the, in the end goal. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. Right. If the goal is the weight loss, if that's your only goal, then the process to get there is probably not going to be successful long-term. Yeah. Okay. But if your goal is to be more active, run after your kids, climb four flights of stairs without being out of breath, make sure you're eating five fruits and vegetables every day. We can do that. Right. You can do that. Yeah. You know, you absolutely can do that. Right. And you might see the scale go down, and that would be great. And you might not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just life. Sometimes right. that's just your shoe size. Yeah. Right. You can't do anything I love about that. that. Yes. You know, right. that's just your shoe size. There's it's nothing you can do about size. it. Yep. Well, we appreciate you listening to us today, and I hope you don't feel discouraged by today's talk. And if you do, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk more about it. Yeah. We would always appreciate your reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you get your your podcasts or any of of those other platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. You can also reach out to us on social media at The Secret Life Dietitians on Instagram. You can also reach us at our website dish at secretliferd.com the website of course is secretliferd.com and we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts